You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. You can do all the good works that you want to do, and you can stack them all up, and you can get receipts for every good work you've did, but that will not get you salvation. Salvation is given by only one name, and one name only, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's the only way to salvation. It comes no other way. See, Peter knew, because he heard with his own ears, and the Spirit in him confirmed when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. In today's message from Pastor Dave, he teaches that salvation comes only through Jesus Christ. No amount of good works can earn you right standing before God. Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can access the Father except through him. Receive Jesus as Lord. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 4 as he continues his message, No Other Name, No Other Way. Peter told him how the healing took place, and he told him who was responsible. Remember back in Acts 3, verses 13 through 16? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just, and asked for a murder to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we were our witnesses, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Peter was clearly saying to the guy, it was by the faith in the name of Jesus Christ. It was his name. And this Jesus, he's saying, is the Son of God. This Jesus is the Messiah. So guys, get off my back. It's the same God. I'm preaching in Jehovah's name. I'm preaching in the name of Jehovah. In fact, his name is Jesus in the Greek, In the Hebrew, it's Yeshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. I'm preaching in the same name, guys. Sanhedrin wanted to hear from themselves. Why do you think they wanted to hear from themselves? Well, they were looking for self-incriminating evidence, for one thing, and they wanted to hear it out of the mouth of Peter himself. But I think, personally, I think they saw Peter before. Remember, we saw Peter before in this same situation. Remember? Remember Peter following closely behind Jesus? When he was arrested, following just a little bit of far away, and he's kind of sitting there, and all of a sudden somebody says, aren't you a disciple? And Peter says, I am not. He said that in John 18, 17. And then later the same night, Peter is there, and he's standing there warming himself by the fire, and this one maiden come up to him and says, surely you were with him. Peter again says, I am not, in John 18, 25. And then the third time, when they said, you were with him in the garden, and Peter to demonstrate the fact that he was not with Jesus, cursed and swore. Matthew 26, 37, he then began to curse and swear and said, I don't know this man. So maybe the Sanhedrin knew about this. Maybe they said, you know what? 
This is the leader of this day. Maybe we can get him to buckle again. Maybe we can get him to kind of bend his knees again. You know, this might be a good place for us. Peter knows all too well what happens when you deny the Lord. Peter knows all too well the pain and the sorrow and the suffering that he went through. Because remember, it says after that, what happened? He went away and wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. Peter was not going to let this happen again. Peter was about to go against the law of his people, and he was going to declare that not only was Jesus responsible for this man's healing, but he was going to say later that there was salvation through no other name. There was no other way. And this this is no less than heresy to the Jewish people, telling them that there's another way and then telling them that that way is the only way. Peter rejected the traditions of the elders. He rejected the superstitions of the day. However, in reality, Peter was speaking truth. It was Jehovah. It was God who did this, as we said. Peter would speak loudly. He wasn't worried about the consequences. He was standing before them. He was speaking loudly because he's already seen the fruit of his labor. 5,000 people had been saved because of what he said the day of Pentecost and what he had said the day that this man was healed. Most of us will never be in this position of life and death where we have to determine, do we speak out for Jesus or do we die or speak out for Jesus and die or do we keep our mouth shut? But we still fail in our attempts. Why do we fail in our attempts to get the word of God out? Well, we don't want to be made fun of. We don't want to be ridiculed. We really don't want to be rejected because you know what? I don't like it when people don't like me. I want everybody to like me. And if they think I'm a Jesus freak, they'll think I'm weird. Well, they already think I'm weird, but they'll think I'm weirder. I don't like that when that happens. That bothers me. What made the difference? What made the difference 50 days later? 50 days later, Peter's not the same person anymore. Why? Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and people of the elders of Israel, Peter was filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had made all the difference in the world in Peter's life. Peter didn't have to think about what he was going to say. Peter was going to rely on the Holy Spirit to do the speaking for him. He was told by Jesus back in Mark 13, 11. Jesus said this to his disciples, when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Man, does that take the pressure off of me? That really takes the pressure off of me when I come before somebody who is just dying for a fight about Jesus Christ, who's just looking to pick a scab on me about Jesus and get my dander up. Does that take all the pressure off of me? All I have to do is take a step in faith and say yes and start speaking. Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to fill me and it's going to speak for me. I have that same feeling when I get up here on Sundays. I don't want to come up here on Sunday and tell you what I think. I want to come up here on Sunday and tell you what God thinks, what the Lord thinks. You don't want to know what I think. You don't want to have any of me. But the Holy Spirit gives Peter this boldness and this clarity. He gave Peter words to say to his accusers, words that would cut right to the heart. Don't you think when you're talking to someone face-to-face that the Holy Spirit knows exactly what that person needs to hear? Yes. Holy Spirit knows exactly what the person you're talking to needs to hear at that specific time in order to make that person think, wow, maybe I need this, Jesus. I want more. I want want to know more about this. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Peter didn't question his life. He didn't care about his own life. He knew that the Lord was in control. He believed in Hebrews 13, 6, it says, We may say boldly, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? 
You know, we get so upset with being ridiculed. We get so upset with not being liked because we're Jesus freaks. What can they do to you? That's all they can do. And Peter was saying, guess what, guys? Kill this body, and I'm with the Lord. I am face-to-face with the Lord Jesus. It's a win-win for me. It's a win-win, guys. What would you do in a position like this? What would you do in a time like this? Peter was willing to put his life on the line for people he didn't even know. He didn't know most of these people in the temple that day. He didn't know this lame man from anybody. But he's willing to put his life on the line. You know, we have trouble sharing gospel with our own families. I was on the phone yesterday. I was on the phone, no, Friday. I was on the phone with someone, and they asked me this question. How come it's easier to share the gospel with someone you don't know than it is with your own family? You ever had that feeling? It's so much easier to see somebody. You know, I used to get that feeling when I went to the rescue mission. When I went over to the rescue mission, it was easy because these people were anonymous. You know, they were there, and I could share the gospel message with them. But when I got around my own family, it's like, these people know who I am. They remember when I was this, when I was that. They know me. They know exactly what's happening in my life. How am I going to share the gospel with them? You know, Jesus clearly said in Matthew 13, 57, he said, So they were offended at him, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and his own house. We often have the wrong ideas of what it means to be spiritual. We have the wrong ideas of what it means to be spiritual. We think that a spiritual person is much more strange than normal, much more strange. If they're spiritual, they've got to be strange. There's got to be something different about them. Therefore, those who are closest to truly spiritual people see just how normal they really are, and they don't think they're spiritual because they're too normal. Hang around me for a while. You'll think, this guy's a pastor? Holy mackerel. What did Paul say? Things I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I do all the time. Who can save me? Oh, blessed be the Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Where would I be without him? We need to rely on the Holy Spirit. We need to be just like Peter. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit. We need to let the Holy Spirit be our words when we share the gospel. We need to be confident that he's going to speak when we want to speak. When God has prompted you to say something to somebody and you speak, what a glorious day it'll be when you open your mouth and that person is changed by the word of God. Peter doesn't play around with this question. Peter looks them right in the eye and he answers this and he says to them, if we this day are judged for a good deed done for a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man stands whole before you. I love this about Peter for two reasons. Number one, he's not shy about shouting the gospel message, and he's not taking any credit. He's not taking any credit. Look what the Lord did through me. Look how the Lord used me. No, look what the Lord did. It was the Lord who did it all along. It was the Lord. And Peter doesn't draw attention to himself. He draws attention to the Lord. Peter answered and said that the lame man was healed by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You crucified him. This must have infuriated them. I can just see the Sanhedrin grabbing their clothes. Do we tear now? Are we ready to rip our clothes off now? He's really bothering us. We're getting pretty angry here. I mean, after all, Jesus was a man, a common criminal according to them. They tried him. They found him guilty. They had him executed. And now they're saying he's risen from the dead. They don't even believe in the resurrection. And they're telling me that he raised from the dead, came back, and did this miracle? These guys are going, what? What are we going to do? But there's a problem here. There's a major problem with their thinking. They can't deny the fact that the lame man is walking. They see it. They look at him in a couple verses. In fact, in verses 15 and 16, they have to concur amongst themselves and look what they say. 
But when they had commanded them to go aside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, a notable miracle has been done through them, is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. What can we do to these men? What can we do to them? Paul tells the church of Rome in, in chapter 831, If God be for you, who can be against you? If God is for you, who can come along against you when you have God on your side? Peter declares to these leaders that it was Jesus, God's son. It was the Messiah who was responsible for this miracle. Now, what he's done is he's taken the dilemma and placed it on the other foot. Now, they have a dilemma. What are they going to do? Now, they're sitting there, what are we going to do now? Well, everybody sees this guy walking around. He certainly wasn't walking around for 40 years, and now here he is wandering all over the place praising God. If we harm these God, what are we going to do? So now they have a dilemma that they have to face. What can men do to me? How can these men go against God? A miracle has clearly happened. Peter doesn't let us aside. He said, listen, guys, in Acts 4.11, he said, this is the stained stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Peter again shows his master of the word of God. I am just so blown away by Peter's knowledge of the word of God. He quotes here Psalm 118, which when he speaks it, when he opens his mouth and speaks this beautiful psalm, all of the religious leaders know that the psalm is referring to the Messiah. They know that because it's part of their law. It's part of their tradition. They cannot deny this fact. Look what the psalmist says in Psalm 118, 22 to 26. The stone which the builders rejected has become chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is a marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They knew that this psalm meant the Messiah. They knew that the psalm was talking about the Messiah. And now Peter is saying it one more time, loud and clear, in front of the entire Sanhedrin, Jesus is your Messiah. Jesus is the Holy One, the just one, the Holy One of Israel, God's anointed son, Jesus. You guys blew it. You had the stone. You threw it away. You rejected it. You passed it by. There's no other cornerstone that's going to be given. There's no other foundation that's going to be laid except Jesus Christ. Forget your traditions. Forget your oral laws. You are blinded because you rejected the Messiah. That's what you should be repenting. Peter was probably thinking in his mind, you know what? If I'm going out, I'm going out with a bang. And I'm going to hit these guys right between the eyes. I am going to tell them exactly what's going to go on and then let God be my judge if I did run or wrong and then let God take care of the rest. I am resting solely on the grace of God as I give this speech. You know what? We need that reckless abandonment in our lives. We need that reckless abandonment to be able to see people and say, you need Jesus. We need to be able to tell people they need Jesus. And then we need to be able to demonstrate that love to them. As I said before, Peter now basically speaks heresy. He speaks heresy according to the Jewish language. He speaks heresy according to Jewish traditions. In verse 12, he says, Nor is salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other way. The Jews only knew sacrifices and offerings. They only knew the commands given by Moses through the laws. And owning by submitting to these ordinances, can anyone hope for salvation according to their law? Peter was saying no. There's no salvation apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus is the only way to salvation. Jesus is the only name given under heaven and among men by which we must be saved. 
You can contemplate on your navel until your cows come home, but contemplating on your navel will not get you to salvation. You can do all the good works that you want to do, and you can stack them all up, and you can get receipts for every good work you've did, but that will not get you salvation. Salvation is given by only one name and one name only, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's the only way to salvation. It comes no other way. See, Peter knew because he heard with his own ears, and the Spirit in him confirmed when Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He believed that. He believed that. It's interesting that Peter uses an imperative, the must, the old must imperative. He says, by which man must be saved. There's no other way by Jesus. He said, Jesus is the way. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 14? He said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. In Luke 13, 24, he says, strive to enter the straight gate. When people say, oh, that's so narrow-minded. You need to be more broad-minded. You need to be more liberal. You need to accept other religions and other faiths. Peter says, there's salvation by no other. There's salvation by no other. It's an interesting thought that has pervaded American Christianity is that many Christians have embraced this thought. It is a universalistic thought, universalistic thought, that religion is merely a matter of preference or opinion. That in the end, all religions are fundamentally the same, so why encourage people to embrace Christianity? On the other hand, while some professing Christians have rejected universalism intellectually, practically they've accepted into their lives. What I mean is they end up living universalistic lives. They claim Christ is necessary for salvation, but they walk around in silence. They walk around in silence. They're mute. And they never, the people around them never know about Christ. And their thinking is, well, indeed, they're going to be okay in the end. No other name, no other way. No other name, no other way. So you might ask, what's at stake? I was reading a book this week. And it said that you believe this, that there are 4.5 billion people walking the face of the earth without Jesus Christ right now. Of those 4.5 billion people, it's estimated that 1.5 billion of them have never, ever heard the name Jesus Christ. Most of those living in Asia and in that part of the area and in Africa. What's at stake here? What's at stake is where a person's going to spend eternity. What's at stake? This, you know, we're thinking we're not going to be involved in a life and death dilemma. Yo, I'm sorry, you are involved in a life and death dilemma. This is a matter of life and death. Where you will spend eternity? Where will your parents spend eternity? Where will your brothers and sisters spend eternity? Where will your children spend eternity? Where will your grandparents spend eternity? Your coworkers, your laborers who you work with every single day, the people you go to class with on a daily basis, those people in your neighborhood, your next-door neighbors, where are they going to spend eternity? We're getting to one of my most favorite times of the year because I can't wait until Memorial Day when the Wildwood Boardwalk's open because I love to walk the Wildwood Boardwalk. I'm like a little kid over there. I eat my way from one end of the boardwalk back. I love the Wildwood Boardwalk. Oh, man. When I was younger, I went on every single ride there was. But you know, the last couple times of Wildwood walking, my heart was aching because I saw all these thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And I'm thinking, how many of them are going to hell? Yeah, I said the H word. How many of them are going to hell? How many of them are going to die without Christ? How can we reach them? How can we reach their hearts? How can we show them the love of Jesus Christ? And it, it saddens to me 
It saddens to me. We're all going to die a physical death if the Lord tarries, but I'm talking spiritual death here. I'm talking the death that counts. Spiritual death. And those that perish not knowing Jesus Christ will spend an eternity away from the Father in darkness. They will spend an eternity without God. An eternity. I'm sure that you've all kept up with the destruction of the earthquake over there, and the tsunami, that horrible situation that took place in Japan. We live in perilous times. Jesus said, when you see these things happen, look up, for your redemption is nigh. Time is fast running out. I don't want to be an alarmist, but we as a church need a sense of urgency if we're going to save those that are lost. We can't even save them, but if we're going to reach them and tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to have a sense of urgency within us. That's what my vision is for this church, is to be a light. We call it the hospital, because all of you who are brokenhearted, all those who are hurting, all those that are lame and needy and sick, come on in here. Don't you realize that we have the answer? We have the answer. We have the key to eternal life. We have the key to life everlasting. It brings me back to my original question. What would you risk in order that someone might receive salvation? What would you be willing to risk in order that someone in your family be saved? These guys wanted to risk it all. And as we continue in the book of Acts, we're going to find more and more of them just like that, willing to risk everything they had because they believed that much in the gospel. We have something losing everything for. We have something that everyone needs. I was not the sharpest tack in the bunch when it came to schoolwork. But you know, I finally got the right answer. I finally have the right answer in my life. And it's Jesus Christ. He is the right answer. I'm going to leave you with this quote by Jim Elliott. If you don't know who Jim Elliott was, he was one of the first missionaries back in the 50s. He and a group of guys went to these, these indigenous Indians along the way. They ended up all giving up their lives for the gospel message. But Jim Elliott says this. He said, surely those who know the great passionate heart of Jehovah must deny their own lives to share in the expression of his. As he wrote this before he died. Chances of us being in a situation where it's actually going to cost us our life for Jesus Christ is very slim in this country, however things are changing. But it's very slim. But it is a matter of life and death. It is a matter of us sharing God's word, of being confident of who we are in Jesus Christ. We have our models. We see what these guys did in the book of Acts. They turned the world upside down. They turned the world upside down. Remember when we watched the Truth Project the first night, what he said? He said, if, just, if we could, just people, 30 people in this room could gather what that truth really meant, they would be able to turn the world upside down. What would you do? What are you willing to risk? You have everything. You have Jesus Christ. Remember Peter's comment to the lame man? I don't have money. But what I have, I want to give it to you. We have everything. Now he wants us to give it away. He wants us to give it away. You are when Jesus left earth following his resurrection, his followers weren't sure what was next. They had instructions from their Lord and Savior, but not much else. However, they chose to trust that what Jesus said was true and was going to change their lives. It did. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to minister to the world in ways they'd never have been able to do on their own. Is Jesus asking you to follow His instructions today? 
Maybe he's only given you a piece of the journey, or maybe he's asking you to wait. Take a cue today from the members of the early church. Trust Jesus to come through with his promises and change your life. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope. We'd like to hear from you and learn how we can be praying for you. So please give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. If you'd like to hear more messages from this series in the book of Acts, you'll find them at assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download. And we encourage you to share them with your friends and family. You can also receive a CD copy of today's message by calling us. Again, our number is 609-884-5821. That's all we have time for today. We're so glad we can share God's Word with you through this ministry. Pastor Dave will have more to share from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Acts. So we hope you'll join us again right here on A Sure Hope.